Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, welcome to the show. COVID-19 has wreaked havoc in the U.S. workforce and the uncertainty continues to grow. You know, last week, as we were taping this show, 5.5 million Americans filed initial applications for unemployment insurance with 6.6 million more filing the week prior. Oh my gosh, those are big numbers. Those are millions. That's a lot of zeros. So my next guest is talking about how uh, we should handle this strain, you know, and to talk about this and other issues that workers in the workplace uh, face every day and how to overcome and thrive. Please welcome to All Business, Johnny C. Taylor, the president and CEO of SHRM, which is a Society for Human Resource Management. Johnny, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. And listen, I get to see another person. I'm now sitting around the house looking at my nine-year-old. It's just nice to see another human being. <laughs> yeah, and of course, your nine-year-old, you're, as you're doing these shows, what? What do you mean you're doing CNN? Dad, I need some help with my homework. You know, he That's doesn't care. Right. <laughs> you know it. You know, speaking of that, I think it's very interesting uh, because we, we've always kind of been a virtual workforce, but we have offices in New York and Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and so forth. And now everybody's on Zoom. Everybody's working from home. Kids are walking by. Like the other day, uh, there was a kid walking by in his, in his shorts, and not shorts, <laughs> I mean his undershorts, you know, in the call, and everybody, and, and my team is freaking, and I'm going, hey, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. Yeah, it, 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 it's changed, hasn't it, for us, all of us. The, the rules are totally different now. Well, and that's the fascinating part about this. You know, we, we've used those words, agility and adaptability, buzzwords, business buzzwords over the last couple of years. And now we're forced to really accept those, to live those words. And, and we're getting used to it very quickly. The nice thing about human beings and Americans in particular is we're resilient. You know, this is our new reality and we're adjusting to it. Yeah. Well, I, I, do you think this is going to soften us up a little bit in the workplace? I mean, I always used to get in trouble with HR, not because I was naughty, but because I was always pushing things, you know, and, and stretching things and, and didn't always uh, comply with the normacy of, of business saying, let's just go do it a little differently like we're doing right now. I mean, o That's open it up. Right. Well, I think so. And that's the point about agility. It was a word, a business buzzword, but it didn't mean anything. Yeah. Now we are truly, truly stretching the bounds of what we think is normal and what's acceptable. Something as simple as, you know, heretofore, if you had said to someone, I'd like to work, told your manager, I'd like to work remotely for two months, they'd say, nope, yeah. can't happen nope. no matter what. We need you. It's yeah. not the same. If we said we we're going to have all of our meetings in one, you know, all, all of us would Zoom in or Skype in or whatever, we'd say, no, way. And, and guess what? Yahweh, it's happening yeah. and it worked just fine. So it's forcing all of us, HR, other business leaders, employees to challenge everything that they used to think. So this is a good thing, net, net in some weird way, right? Absolutely. So we're talking live with Johnny Taylor, the president and CEO of SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. I'm really excited to have him on the show. I know a lot of, of SHRM members as I've gone and spoken, given keynotes and, and even some of the SHRM uh, state affiliates, uh, the chapters. So it's just great, Johnny, to be able to talk to you, especially as we talk about, you know, winning in the workplace right now. 
uh, how are uh, how are HR officials, you know, the chief uh, human resource managers and and executives, how are they dealing with? Oh my gosh, our entire workforce just moved from here to a thousand different places. Are, are, are they freaking out as well, or are they are they taking it in stride? Well, somewhere in between, as you might imagine, freaking out, not because we didn't anticipate that we would have to be prepared. If you had business continuity plans and you lived in a place like Florida that had hurricanes or tornadoes in the Midwest or earthquakes on the West Coast, you knew that we needed to be able to be prepared to do it. What happened is it was done so quickly. Like one day you've got 5,000 employees coming to a corporate space and the next day they all have to work remotely. How do you respond? So we, we were ready for it, sort of. The challenges yeah. have been, as you might expect, the technology. Technology, a lot of employees didn't know how to take advantage and use the technology. So we had right. the capability technically speaking, but the employees didn't know how to use it. And so that was a challenge. And then from an HR standpoint, all, as much as people say they want change, they resist change. <laughs> and so every step along the way, we've had employees say, yeah, but I can't do this and I can't do that. So right. this has been really anti, it's been counterhuman almost to have this quickly, we quickly changed. And so HR people have had to respond to it and more importantly, help our employees come along with us on this journey. Yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions around how prepared were we, but I, 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 just to get to that last point, this is one of those situations where captains of no never win because there's, never. we have no alternative. There is no choice, right? And usually you'd have some people up say, oh, no, we can't do that because of security. No, we can't do this because we don't have the budget. No, we, we can't do this for X, Y, Z. But right now there is no choice. That's right. Nope. That's it's it's literally the captain of no has gone down with the ship, right? <laughs> the reality <laughs> is <laughs> you, captain, you better figure captain out no how got, to get to yes. Yeah, the captain of no got tossed overboard before this oh. even got started. Exactly, exactly. Before we even got started. So how many um I tell you what, I want to ask this question in just a second, but I'm gonna come back because I need to take a break and then I'll be right back. C suite radio. Hey, we're back uh, with Johnny C. Taylor, President and CEO of SHRM, which stands for Society of Human Resource Management. These are all the professionals that we count on to take care of our greatest asset in our company, which is our people. And that's truly what they are. They're not just about, you know, oh, you got to do it this way or this way. It's about building a future. Because if you don't have this in your business, if you don't have the people at the forefront, if you don't put people above profits, you're, you're not looking at your business in the right way. And that's what Sherm is there to make sure it, it happens. And I'm so excited. You're, we're live right here on LinkedIn and we're live on Facebook. And then of course, this is uh, all business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Right before the break, Johnny, I was going to ask you a question. How many were truly ready, meaning they had real plans in place? Uh, you know, if you looked across the board, we say that we're going to have plans in place. But I mean, this is one of those cases where this is not a drill. This is not a drill, right? That's right. Rough numbers. I, I dare to say if 75 to 80 percent of our employers were ready, what they weren't ready for is the prolonged nature of this. Were we ready for a week away remotely because we had a hurricane and people couldn't get to work? Sure. Were we ready for, you know, so we were ready for the spot outages. We, no one would have predicted that six, eight weeks later, we'd still be all working from home. We just, yeah. no, we weren't ready for that, to be totally honest. 
Yeah. Well, and then the massive size, the scale, it wasn't just like one location. Like, That's you know, look, when I was a CMO of a major fortune 100 company, we had you know, 150,000 employees across the world. Well, That's you know, I got a hurricane in just one portion, one plant. Well, the other 99 plants were running just fine. Well, now, That's now we have all 100. Well, let's talk you, about. And even If I can add, even, even if you think about technology, for all of the great Zooms and Skypes and everything, most of them just did not, never envision that 95% of America would be using this technology at one time. So it's just, even though it was, it was built for a significant, uh, you know, volume, no one would have anticipated that at one o'clock on a Wednesday or Thursday right. that you'd have 100 million people on your system, on your platform. Yeah. So let's talk about the the staggering numbers because they are staggering. You know, uh, New York Times said more than 5.2 million U.S. workers filed for unemployment last week. You know, yes. we're pushing a four week total of a staggering 22 million, you know, which is what, 10 percent of the we're getting close to 10 percent of the population. So um, what 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 resources? How how is Sherm dealing with this and helping workers? You know, I'm lucky. I, we haven't been able. We haven't had to do any of that. Um, but for the, for a lot of businesses, they're you know shutting. But and you're representing bigger enterprises. What are they doing to to help the these furloughed workers? Well, so several things. One, we're encouraging employees to take advantage of the not only state unemployment benefits, but that as a result of the federal stimulus plan, there's now the $600 a week that comes from the federal government. And it's not 600 in one state and 650 in another state. It's 600 across the board. So we're helping our employees, those who are impacted, understand how to take advantage of the federal and state unemployment benefits. The same thing, at the same time, we're saying, use this opportunity to upskill yourself. There's no reason if you're sitting at home collecting $1,000 a week between the state and federal government that you should use this opportunity to make yourself more valuable in the 21st century. We were encouraging people to do this all along, but people weren't doing it. Well, now out of necessity, the job that you lost may not come back, and therefore you have to be prepared to do something when we get back to work. And I think that's encouraging. I think we want to think about it. I, I've been watching people and they said, I guess a record number of people are learning a musical instrument, which is cool. Yeah. Do that. That's right. But do that in the evening. Do that uh, <laughs> on the weekend during the day. How about spend that time? I love that. How about grab a new skill? Learn, 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 uh, you know, a different version of Microsoft. I, I don't know. So what, learn something that you can do that would put you back in the thing, because there are people who are hiring right now. There are people Absolutely. who are hiring and uh, how, how would you, how, how are they going to onboard uh, new hires? They got to be doing that differently. Don't they? Totally. You know, there was some thought that hiring would slow down. So the pot, the negative news is five, 6 million people last week applied for unemployment insurance uh, benefits. But what people aren't talking about is we still have 6 million or so open positions in America. Walmart announces 150,000 new hires. There are a lot of jobs. And it just depends upon where you are. Now, does it mean you may have to relocate at some point? Yes. Does it mean you have to get used to doing these jobs virtually? Yes. I mean, there are all sorts of new norms. But at the end of the day, it's not all doom. Uh, we are yeah. still hiring. For example, at Sherm, I know a number of organizations that are still hiring, and, and that's positive. So I wish that the media, and thank you, Jeff, for doing this, is emphasizing, yeah, there are a ton of people who are filing for unemployment, but employers are still hiring. 
Yeah. When I look at Sherm and I look at uh, my, my HR team or any HR team in, in a small or large enterprise, and I've been saying this, Johnny, about business executives and also coaches, trainers, consultants, speakers, I've been calling them business first responders. And I, I think, love it. Yeah. And I think HR, the HR professionals are that they're the first ones in, you know, and I, and I've been in bad situations before I've had, I've been in big operations where we've had employees go off the deep end and go in, set fire to the place, shoot, shoot people. I mean, we're talking yes. about really bad things. And the first person that we turned around to in the room was the HR exec. They're, they're truly in a business perspective, in an enterprise, the, the business first responders. How, how are they dealing with this issue? You know, we talk about doctors and nurses, but how about the HR professionals? How are they dealing with it? You know, I've used that phrase and a few people didn't like it, but there's no question that right. it's real in practice. So here's the deal. And, and I'm so glad you raised this. The reality is when someone who's sitting at home and has, has been isolated forcefully as a result of this gets depressed, um, yeah. considers suicide, who do you think they call? They call right. on the HR person who has to carry that burden. Um, so it may not be workplace violence in a traditional sense, but we're seeing domestic violence numbers go through the roof as a result of this. We're seeing yeah. people be stressed by financial problems. All of that means HR is on the front line of not only protecting the business to ensure that business continues, but as our employees, our greatest asset, are struggling through this, they're turning to HR at the same time. And the HR professionals themselves are struggling. They have the nine-year-old at home that they have to homeschool, they have to feed, they have to do their work, et cetera. So there's just amazing pressure point on HR. And they are are the first responders, not from a medical perspective, but in everything else, they are the first responders. People turn to, if I end up going to the emergency room and my benefits don't work, who do you think I call? The HR department. The, right. we, are, we have to be on 24-7. So it is a stress point for HR professionals, but we were built for this. Yeah. And I think that, don't forget, when we think about HR, there's a part, there's a one word in there. It's human. Human, right? And all along, you've got to keep that human touch. And, you know, when you've heard the 10th person complaining about how long it, this morning, someone called me and said, listen, Johnny, a related company that we know of said, said I stood in line in Washington, D.C. at the unemployment office, uh, left, got someone to take care of my kids, et cetera, got them realized today is Emancipation Day in Washington, D.C. So for all of my efforts, I still can't file for unemployment insurance. Those are the sorts of things we have to deal with and help people work through it because now that employee is frustrated, pissed, and any, you know, these are, these are when we have to step up and be first responders. Yeah. And the, and these are real, real issues. And, and sometimes it's difficult. I can imagine for HR professionals, just like a doctor or a nurse, you know, they're seeing this trauma on the front line and they're having to deal with the trip. Look, it's not easy. Anyone listen, listen to me right now. I've had to lay off thousands of people. I've had to do that before. And I've had to do one. And let me tell you, it is not an easy thing to do. And do not think that people are callous when they make these decisions or they do it. They're always, I have never known an executive not to want to put the people first. And I had a couple that are, you know, that were more bottom line, right? We got a couple of those. But, but by and large, when I always, especially on the, in the HR side and the people that, that Johnny represents in the SHRM, uh, Society of, uh, uh, for Human Resource Management, top-notch people. Speak, speaking of great top-notch people, I need to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. 
All right, we're back when we're live right here on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for joining us on these social platforms as we tape a live episode, which we've been doing for a few weeks now, and we're going daily. And I, at first, I got to tell you, folks, I didn't want to do the daily stuff. I'm going, no, 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 this is going to be too hard. I'm loving it, and I'm loving uh, interviews like I'm having right now with our guest, Johnny Taylor, the president and CEO of SHRM. For those of you who don't know SHRM, it's a Society for Human Resource Management and these are the folks that take care of the greatest assets in any company. And that's our human capital, our human capital. Hey, we had a question that came in on social media. It says, we've seen a major CEO exodus in the last year. Do you think this is going to drop off or change because of COVID? Well, so we're actually seeing some stabilization. The research. I think so. Yeah, that's right. Now, more than ever, we can't afford to have leaders leave. We need them to stay in place and guide us through this process. So I think we're actually going to see the opposite. You're going to see more stability amongst the CEO ranks because, frankly, none of us want to leave our organizations in a bad spot. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see a change in the way we operate companies? You know, you know, for a long time, America has been focused on bottom line and driving the shareholder value, driving the stock price, driving those things. I think this is going to make us, I don't want to use the word kinder because I don't think that's the right word. I do believe it's going to make us more human and more neighborly in taking care of things. Do you think that's going to change for us? There's no doubt. We already saw the word culture, which is, you know, Jeffrey, back in the day, if you use the word culture, that was a soft word. It wasn't a business term. And we've seen over the last year or two, the CEOs really turn to how can I create the culture that that basically encourages people to want to work here and to give their you know blood, sweat and tears here. So we are seeing that. I think as a result of this, the big word is empathy. For the first Mm. time, CEOs are having to confront the realities of what their employees, walking in their employees' shoes. And you didn't have to do that before because you didn't have widespread loss like we've seen. You know, it was one person who lost their job, not a hundred, not thousands, as you pointed out. And so empathy is one of the things that when you think about what we were short on pre-COVID, I think we're going to have an excess of it post-COVID. Yeah, I think there's going to be some big changes in in terms of what we're going to see from that perspective. And I think we'll have more and more CEOs and more executive leaders saying, no, I'm going to stick it out till we get this thing right. And as we That's get this right. thing right, we'll, we'll do some changes on it. So our company is having weekly huddles to try and keep everyone engaged and informed, uh, you know, like three times a week. And um, I think that's important. What are some other things that can be done to maintain and improve a company culture? Speaking of culture. Yeah. So one of the things we have to do is remind people to step away from these screens. Um, It becomes mind numbing. We were not conditioned to communicate with each other this way. And so unless you're Generation Z and the millennials, you know, the digital natives, but even they have have really struggled with the isolation. So what we're trying to do is encourage employees and literally you have to affirmatively remind them, get out, walk outside social distancing, recognizing, but take a walk, take a run, get away from this screen. That's number one. Two is to take, watch out for your physical health, but more importantly, your mental health, or at least equally importantly. And people don't really appreciate how much stress they're under. So we're saying, pay attention to that, but call your EAP every once in a while and make sure that you do a gut check that you're okay. And then finally, something that we're all doing is we're being extra. 
It's something we're in CEOs have to be extra people managers. So if people report to you, then that means call them on their birthday. Check on them, not just yeah. the, you know, an email, happy birthday, call them, damn it. How are you doing? When you yeah. learn that someone is particularly going through something, their mother, elderly parents in, in nursing homes are, are at risk, call, how is your mom doing? That little touch is going to make all of the difference because there's nothing else you can do for them, frankly. Well, I tell you what, Johnny, this has been absolutely wonderful. I'm going to have to have you back. I enjoyed our conversation. And so we want to make sure that we do that. You know, I've always been tough on HR people. I always have, you know, you made me, you you softened me up a little bit. So I appreciate that. You made it a lot better. Don't forget. Empathy. empathy. I'm doing my best. You know, I'm doing my best. I'm a, I'm a rough and tumble cowboy. So I will absolutely do my best. You're, you, you know, you got to me, Johnny, you got to me. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking with Johnny C. Taylor. He's the president and CEO of SHRM, which is Society of Human Resource Management. And we appreciate him being right here on C-Suite Radio. All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Thanks so much, Johnny. Thank you. Be well. The end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. And I've got this and, of course, lessons from my next guest, too. So stay tuned right after this. Um, I learned about human capital. You know, human capital is our biggest, biggest uh, expense that we have in a business outside the raw products of the company. But usually it's usually it's the biggest expense for most companies. So, we should probably put the human back in human capital, right? And we know that we do that every day with those companies that are part of our hero club, you know, value-based businesses who put people ahead of profits. Well, I think this is a good time for every business leader to think about how do we inject human back in human capital, okay? That's what I learned. Hey, during every crisis, there are opportunities. That's a hard thing to say, but it's true. Even in the darkest of times, plenty of companies have been born And among them, GE, IBM, Disney, and most recently, Uber and Airbnb during the recession of 08. For every dark spot, don't forget, there's a ray of light somewhere for those who answer when opportunity knocks. That's what our next guest is here to show us um, and prove every single day. My guest today is Jed Ayers, the CEO of iGel Technologies, a company that plays a vital role in the evolution and future of work. And they're also well over a $150 million company. Jed, hey, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. Looks like you, you, got a, uh, looks like you must be in your, uh, your Dakota office there. Uh, I am. I'm in my South Dakota. I'm, in, I'm broadcasting from home right now uh, live, and we're taping the show live uh, on LinkedIn and Facebook. I got a big question now. 150 million uh, is a pretty impressive figure, but how did you get to that figure? And did your core philosophy have anything to do with that? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's a great story, an entrepreneurial story um, that started 20 years ago with the founder, a German guy who uh, started in Northern Germany in a little trading village called Bremen. And uh, he, uh, he basically started working with some really sharp developers that were actually in the southern part of Germany, just outside of Munich. And uh, these guys had a vision when the internet came out that, hey, we should connect to the internet, but we shouldn't do it with Windows 95, right? We should use Linux. And of course, Germans are always a little bit skeptical. You know, they have high uh, priority around security and data protection. And um, so they were a little bit uh, skeptical of Windows. 
And so they started out, you know, with this concept, let, let, hey, let's connect to the internet with an operating system that is Linux, that's read-only and really secure. And, uh, you know, kind of slowly over time, they, they perfected this operating system. Uh, and of course, when I found them four years ago, that operating system was sort of, you know, it was, it was sitting on a piece of hardware that most people would call a thin client or a dumb terminal. And, it, and so it was a bit shrouded in a German language and, and this sort of, you know, uh, commoditized piece of hardware. And so, the, you know, over the last four years, we've doubled the company. We brought it to the U.S. and uh, really revealed what is actually a piece of software that's highly relevant and probably more relevant today than, than you could imagine. You remember my chief technology officer when I was back at Kodak talking about thin clients. And he gave me a tutorial. He's a very, very smart guy. And this was literally what, uh, oh my gosh, 14 years ago when I first started hearing the term. And so let's talk about thin client. Let's, cause we're going to get into that and, and explain what this means, because I think it's going to change the way we work, the way we, we operate. And especially with what you've created with this little pocket, thin secure pocket, uh, thin client uh, device that you have that allows people just to walk around at work. Then, yeah. So what's a thin, what's thin client mean? Jed? So if you go back to the days of like a mainframe, right? Uh, this concept that, Hey, there's this, you know, very expensive, you know, uh, mainframe that's sitting in a data center somewhere and you're going to have sort of a terminal that will emulate the power that's sitting behind this wall somewhere, right? That, uh, that was the original concept of a thin client, right? It was a terminal emulation that was connected to a you know, very expensive uh, you know, computer somewhere else. And so um, over time, how that has you know, developed is that uh, there basically became this sort of purpose-built hardware that um, ha, you know had no moving pieces, so it lasted a little longer than a PC, right? No fans, and it um, and it it basically didn't have any data on it, right? So in highly regulated industries like healthcare and retail, banking, government, where you know, you could you didn't want to have a hard drive that someone could walk out the door with that would maybe have thousands of credit card numbers or you know private information, this architecture became very important, and so that's really what a thin client in today's world looks like, right? It's sort of a purpose-built special piece of hardware that um, is used to connect to these cloud or data center solutions. So, so we can describe, so you guys created a little pocket drive. I, I guess that's the way I would use it. So excuse right. me if I, I say it incorrectly, but let's imagine that it looks like, and I'm holding up something like this. This yeah, happens to be a binder. Right oh, here. I don't know if there it is. You've got one. See that. Yeah. Yeah. So the so, idea with iGel was that, hey, we have this um, great operating system. And one of the values of iGel has always been to listen to their customers and partners and employees. And so that's the a, founder that's actually a, was... By know, the way, that's a smart thing for anyone to do, right? <laughs> yeah. The founder uh, flew from Germany to, uh, to, to um, Australia and he was sitting with the government in Australia and they said, hey, we love your your thin clients, um, you know, they last forever and we love your software that sits on them and how we can, you know, sec how secure it is and how we can manage these devices anywhere. Uh, but we would love it if you could put the operating system on a, on a thumb drive and we could, you know, move it and mount it to other devices. So that was in 2008 that he had this conversation. It took him a few years. He went back to Germany and by 2011, he had figured out how to sort of 
you know, pull this operating system off of our, our hardware and be able to put it on other people's hardware. And then the year that I joined the company in 2016, they said, hey, you know, let, let's, we, we fi figured out how to put it on this USB stick so you could put that in a USB port on any x86 computer and, you know, hit F8 and it will just boot to, uh, to our operating system. And then what's beautiful is you can essentially build a workflow and, you know, where you just sort of like, once you boot, you know, you authenticate and you connect to, you know, your whole virtual set of, uh, of desktop and applications. And so this, you know, our theory with this is everybody should have one of these hanging off their keychain, right? And the world is moving to a place, Jeff, where, you know, it's essentially going to be business continuity, right? If you're, a, if you're a company of any size and you hire someone, you're going to have to have a way when you hire them day one that says, hey, there's your desk over there uh, when you're in the office. But you know, here here's how you're going to access all your critical applications and your voice, you know, uh, your your uh, you know telephony, and here's how you're going to do it securely when you're at home. Because when yeah. COVID twenty two hits, you know, every company is going to need to have a frictionless way for people to pivot back into this, you know, shelter in place kind of. You know, this isn't the last time we're going to see this. Is is my prediction, right? And and so you're. You're entering into a world where, um, you know, there's a billion knowledge workers out there. They're all going to need to have a secure, highly manageable, high fidelity solution to work from home. And you know, well, let's let's take a quick let's take a quick break. We're going to come back, and I want to talk about what's the practical implications. I want us to get it down to someone at home. What's this mean to them? We'll take sure. a break. We'll be right back. C-suite radio. And we're talking with Jed, Jed Ayers, the co-CEO of iGel Technology. So we were talking before the break all about your new um, secure pocket uh, thin client that you've got. It's a little, a little tiny thumb drive uh, that you can hold up. It looks like about the size of a binder clip, really. That's about, that, that, you know, the yeah. big part of a binder clip. We can see it here, but just to describe it for those people who are listening in. So what... Tell me about this. You told me about a doctor, a bunch of hospitals here recently that, that were utilizing this. I mean, a doctor gets this. Right now, he needs to make notes. He's got to go up four flights of stairs in order to, to update his laptop, get on the laptop, do his password again, uh, put, put the information, then go back down four stairs and, and help the next patient, the next patient. Does that numerous times throughout the day. This changes that, right? Absolutely right. This would allow him to basically move around on any device anywhere. So he could be in a, you know, a, a clinic out in a, you know, a more rural area. He could be at home, which I think you're going to start to see more doctors administer telemedicine. Some of the regulation that you know, has prohibited that got wiped out in the last few weeks. Right. And so, yeah, no matter where they are in the hospital, where they are in the world, um, you know, they can plug this into a device and securely access the uh, tools and information that they need, right? And, and the whole workflow, um, all the security just sits right here on this, this little piece of memory, right? And so, and, and I'll tell you a great story, Jeff. We, had a, uh, we have a customer right now in banking where they, they sent 3,000 people home. They gave them devices and um, the software they use basically bricked the system. To the, there's 3,000 people for this bank that are basically sitting at home with, with uh, laptops that are bricked. They just won't, they won't boot. Well, we're, we're, uh, we're safe come to the rescue, right? Cause we don't need the hard drive. All we do is boot to this little, uh, this little device and we can bring those 3000 devices back to, into production. 
I mean, it's an amazing story, right? Like, so all these 3000 people who have, you know, cause you can't get a laptop if you wanted one right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if something breaks right now, you're in trouble because exactly. it, it, and literally we've, it's been very difficult. Luckily we had a few extra uh, backups because we did have somebody that went down. How, how can you ensure that remote connectivity is seamless and secure with these systems? Yeah, so security is like a big part of the IGEL. When I first got to IGEL four years ago, I just went out and interviewed like 50 different uh, customers and um, you know, asked them, hey, why are you using IGEL? And the three words that came up the most were simple, smart, secure. And um, you know, being a German company, the security is like the high, you know, highest uh, priority. So it's a Linux operating system. It's very small and it's modular. And the way it works is when it boots up, it's read only. Um, and so as it boots, it like basically does a mathematical check sum. And if any of the check sums are compromised, you know, don't add up, the, the device just won't boot. Um, so, you know, knock on wood, uh, you know, this operating system has never been breached. And, um, you know, we continue to innovate to the chip level all the way to the application level to like create a chain of trust uh, with that sort of mathematical checksum. So that as the device, you know, is interact booting and interacting, it's constantly making sure that it hasn't been compromised. So how, how time consuming and expensive is the setup on something like this, the onboarding process for companies using iGels to maintain uh, business continuity and, and, and partners. I mean, you, typically when you roll out some big system across the entire company or to, or to hundreds of workers or thousands or 10,000, it takes a long time. Yeah. Well, I think what you've seen over the last two decades is that the, uh, the complexity and the cost of delivering these solutions has come way down. Um, and the, the security and the performance has gone way up. And iGel, you know, works, uh, like you said, in the opening with all the premier players in this space. So namely Citrix, VMware, Amazon, and um, Microsoft. And I think what you're seeing is, you know, as the world realized, wow, you know, uh, a billion people need to work from home. Um, and these solutions are sort of, you know, purpose built for that work case, you know, workflow use case. Uh, so, you know, desktop as a service is sort of, you know, it's the office uh, 365 of, um, you know, being able to deliver Windows applications. So iGel sort of can connect all these solutions within hours, right? We can have tens yeah. of thousands of people uh, up and running on, on the Agile operating system connecting to those solutions. Now, you know, there's still complexity in, in terms of building them and, you know, optimizing them. But, you know, Agile is uh, literally within hours, uh, you can have the solution up and running across existing hardware, you know, connected to these main uh, for technologies. So any device, any protocol, any cloud, anywhere, really any, 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 any concept. What, so what are your predictions, you know, with this, with COVID right now for life after what we've seen in this first wave, do you think more companies will opt to keep workers remote? Absolutely. I mean, I think iGel is probably one of the greatest case studies of this, right? Six out of 10 people in Europe had, had never really worked from home. There was almost a social contract that that kept that from happening, right? Um, they kind of, even at iGel, right? We had two big offices there, really very few people work from home. And then, you know, overnight that changed, right? You wanna stay in business, figure out how to get these people working from home. Contracts or so, social norms uh, thrown, thrown to, the, to the wind, right? And so, 
I think we surprised even ourselves that one, how productive people could be. And, you know, the, the, um, I think what you're going to see is sort of three phases, right? There was the, we got to get uh, people working from home, carrying devices under their arm to their, to their home office to, you know, okay, now we're circling back and we're figuring out how to make sure that that device is secure and it can be managed. And then the third phase is really looking at, you know, uh, with the new reality that, hey, whoa, this actually worked. And I mean, people are more productive, they're healthier, you know, they're, um, and, and, you know, so I think the third part of it is the new, the new normal, right? And I, I heard the VMware CEO speak of this uh, last week, and he said they have 32,000 people that work from home. Previously, they only allowed about three to 4,000 of them to work uh, uh, at home. You know, that was the model. Now that they have 32,000 people effectively working from home uh, post-COVID, he's looking at, well, wow, we could probably go to 15, 18,000 of those 32,000 on a regular work from home schedule. And it could be better for the world and uh, better for the employees. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we're doing is we're doing a lot more weekly huddles to keep up with things. I'm watching uh, the past few weeks. I've heard both pros and cons of video conferencing. You know, we use video conferencing a great deal. Of course, we're using this for the broadcast. How does your technology assist the end user security and can prevent like, you know, hijacking that's going on? We've seen some, you know, I had a a group of uh, speakers were doing kind of a storytelling workshop and some guy showed up and got, got naked, you know, and <laughs> I mean, it, it added to their, it added to the excitement of the video conferencing, but not much to the, not much to the content. Yeah, no, I have three kids and I think, uh, you know, they were the ones that were explaining to me how zoom bombing works, right. Cause they're all working yeah. from home and you know, they're, uh, always thinking of creative ways to, uh, get out of doing their schoolwork. Kids are right. So yeah, obviously having you know so many people working from home or schooling from home, it's a hacker's dream, right? You have all these unknown devices connecting over kind of standard broadband connections to very confidential materials. So I think that's where you know these sort of very tried and true architectures around desktop as a service and VDI, where you just you know for years you've been perfecting this. And, and while many of the people in your audience may have never heard of virtual desktop infrastructure or desktop as a service, these are solutions that have been used, you know, uh, extensively by the government, all the three letter agencies, you know, are using the, these technologies and this architecture, right. To connect uh, a device to a secure location and, uh, you know, deliver those applications and data back. So, you know, IGEL has been, part of that ecosystem for 20 years. And uh, yeah, we have this very unique value proposition, right? We happen to have the world's most secure operating system that can work on any device and connect to any of these um, solutions. And, and sometimes we see these big companies that have some Citrix, some VMware that are trying out Microsoft now. And so IGEL you know, is bringing a lot to the table around and security. It's security, security, security. I think that's the yeah. next frontier. You're going to see some some big breaches, I think, as people, t- you know, the bad people take advantage of this. Uh, oh, and you're, you're seeing it all over right now with people, you know, buying and selling masks and uh, protective equipment, you know, as employers are trying to take care of their, their best assets, their people. Let's, let's speak and take care of people. I need to take a quick break and we'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Today, I'm talking with Jed Ayers is co-CEO of iGel Technology. We're talking about the future of work is now, talking about remote work, 
and how we have to start to look at this in different ways for all of us. You know, your team is working remote. You're a CEO of a very fast growing, very big company based in, well, really in Germany, but you're really, uh, the U.S. operations is in the Bay Area where it needs to be, right? We're in the, the, you know, right in the center of Silicon Valley. So how are you dealing with it? How are you dealing with the, your own remote workforce? Well, I mean, I think it's been about, well, first of all, I have to correct you. Uh, I had the pleasure of taking over this 450 person, uh, $150 million company uh, in the middle of this. Uh, it was in February that we passed the torch. So I'm not the co-CEO anymore. I'm now the uh, CEO. So you that? Yeah, that's what I, well, thank you. Cause I, it was in my notes, co-CEO. And I thought, wait, I think he's the CEO. Yeah. You've yeah, got so the whole thing. Changed. And of course that comes, you know, I wake up, I jump out of bed every morning and think about, all right, you know, where you really find yourself and find leadership is in, you know, tricky times, right? So to take over in in the middle of a quarter where, uh, you know, people are looking for leadership and they're looking for direction and and positivity. And so, yeah, that's been, you know, uh, a very motivating factor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky, right? I find myself, this is my 35th day sitting in this office. Um, you know, and I haven't left. Um, I haven't <laughs> left my house. I mean, you already sound like a veteran, though. You sound like you've been there for two or three or four years. Huh? I mean, yeah, well, you know, I was the at CEO least in, I know you've been there, but I mean, as a lead in the leadership role, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think for me, it's all about communication, right? Transparency, authentic communication. So we've done a lot of work to um, host all hands. We've uh, we've instilled a sort of uh, extended leadership team. So we're meeting with them every week to sort of really get a, a, a handle on any challenges they might be having with their teams. And then we're, uh, we have an ELT meeting every single day. So like yep. you know, the people that are working with me to keep this company uh, functioning are meeting every single day because the world is changing every single day, right? We just sent out a notification that says, hey, despite all the changes and each one of these countries that we're working in are all kind of coming to grips and going to bring turning the light switch back on. Yeah, we we have to sort of come up with the IGEL version of that, right? So uh, I think it's all about uh, great communication and staying positive. And you know, what was ironic is we have this concept. We run this company on two words, really: believe and servant heart. So I guess that's three words actually. But uh, when we had our kickoff, which was very lucky, it was before all this stuff kind of went upside down. I gave out these shirts uh, that said believe. And when we say believe, we say, we, we, we say it in the idea that you know, if you're going to do something great, you have to be able to dream it, you got to be able to build it, you got to be able to take it to market, right? And so sometimes in, in the German sort of overthinking, overengineering, they, they forget to uh, dream and they, you know, they, they sometimes some of it gets garbled, right? So you mix the American kind of, we, we could conquer the world uh, you know, it, with this pragmatic pragmatic German engineering and, and great things happen. So I gave everybody one of these shirts and uh, when everything started to look really dark, you know, we, we, I asked them all, Hey, take a picture of yourself uh, with this shirt on. Cause you all have one. And uh, overnight I got hundreds of people sending me this shirt. And then that extended to, you know, kind of how we think about a servant heart. It's serving each other serving our partners and serving our customers. So we actually took this sort of message of hope and uh, positivity to, to the world. Right. And actually anybody that's listening here, Jeff, if they want one of these shirts, uh, you know, go to igel.com slash believe and we'll overnight you one. And uh, oh, you know, awesome. we're, we're then having people, we're seeing you know, every day 
just dozens of people putting out these great messages about, Hey, we believe in a positive future. We're going to come through this and yeah, some things are going to change, but you know what, uh, the human spirit and the intellect of the human, uh, it's going to persevere here. Right. And so you have to have that sort of positivity. And, um, so that's, that's kind of our contribution. And of course, a lot of the technology and our number one vertical is healthcare, right? So the way we look at that is, a first responder mentality, right? Like our team is working through the weekends and the nights to help these new hospitals that are being stood up. And our idea is, Hey, we're helping the people that help the people. Right. Um, and so while we're not on the front lines, we're out there really working hard to, uh, to make that happen. And so that's the servant heart kind of piece of it. So yeah, we, our values are driving us through this. And, you know, I had the luck of being able to sort of really articulate those values when I took over in February that, Hey, we're going to run this company, um, as an extension of the values over the last 20 years, believe servant heart. And uh, as you can see, it's serving us very well right now. Well, and I couldn't say it better and it's time for us to drive and thrive and make it happen. And I think, uh, you are certainly showing that your company iGels is a business first responder, helping as many people get back to work as much as possible for us to be able to, the, to know that the future of work is right here, right now. And I thank you for being on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. The end of every show, I'd like to talk about what I learned. My lesson today is the rules are changing. The rules are changing. You know, we always used to try to force people to go and work at work at the office. Now, man, they're going to have to work at home. Did they have a laptop? No. Did they have it? Were they prepared for it? No. Well, there's technology out there that will allow you to do that. So, so what are you doing to think about how you can change your business and, and adapt with these changing rules? I've always said adapt, change, or die. And I don't like to use that word right now because of all the stuff that's going on. But hey, it's true about your business. For some of us, hey, there's not much we're going to be able to do. I understand that's circumstances well outside of our control. But where you can control it, what are you doing? Get going. Make it happen drive and thrive. And that's what we learn right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.